In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. Open our hearts and our ears to remember your greatness and hear the word. Uh, Thank you for who you are and the blessings that you give us. Help us to reflect on you throughout the Christmas Advent season and uh, constantly just be more like you. Thank you for who you are and what you do for us. Be with Alan as he brings the word. Amen. I have actually no idea how it happened, but the Christmas season is already upon us. Um, I'm almost ready for October. I don't know about you, but I'm a little behind. Uh, But fortunately, we are entering the season of Advent, and that's helpful because Advent means it's a season of preparation. Uh, That's what Advent literally means, is to prepare, and it gives us uh, four Sundays to uh, get ready for the coming of Christmas, four weeks to prepare. Um... And to help us get ready, we're going to be spending those weeks just in the first chapter of uh, the Gospel of John, where the Apostle John tells us about the Jesus who has come and who is coming. And this morning, we're going to simply be looking at one um, aspect that he mentions of Jesus' coming, and that is that Jesus comes to us as the light of the world. Now listen, I, I don't have to tell you that every year there are Uh, two competing celebrations that take place at Christmas. Uh, One centers around the commercial side of Christmas and focuses in on the the buying of gifts, uh, the decorating of our homes, um, eating lots of food, (laughs) spending time with family, and of course Santa Claus, you got to throw him in. Whereas the other celebration centers around the hope of the entire world in the coming of Jesus. And of course, as our world prepares and the stores are decorated and the tree lighting ceremonies take place and we uh, bake cookies and we head to Walmart and click on Amazon, this is what Advent is calling us here to do, to prepare spiritually, to cultivate our longings for redemption and rescue. And to do that, John takes us back to the very beginning of the world itself in order to prepare, back to creation itself. And it begins by telling us our own need for the light. You know, there's nothing, really, there's nothing more magical 
and beautiful than all the twinkling lights at Christmas. And in fact, I, I miss how as a kid, I give my age away, but nearly every house in town was decorated in some way. And, and we would take drives as a family through the neighborhoods to see all the houses that had been lit up. Um, you'd spend a lot of money on gas doing that these days. Uh, but we, we love doing that because the lights are, are just so festive. And, and they're meant to point us to a deeper need for light. Because here, here's actually one of the main messages that Christmas is trying to convey. And it's one few of us, I think, really want to hear, if we're honest. And that is that what makes the light so special is because of how deeply that we actually live in the darkness. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are all lost in darkness. And we're all desperately in search of something that will bring light to our dull worlds. And of course, here's where our two competing worlds are always colliding. Because we, we live in a world that pretends uh, to be okay. It's a season where we're really almost frantic to remind ourselves of how joyful uh, this season actually is. And how full of uh, good cheer and hope that we ought to be. Because after all, it is the most wonderful time of the year, right? And you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. Of course, you, you know why, right? And so we spend our time on consumption and distraction, trying to fit all the various parties into our schedules, dividing our time up to be able to spend with family, uh, buying things that we really can't afford, that people really don't need, and desperately trying to get ourselves into uh, the Christmas spirit. Anything that will keep us from having to think about the uncomfortable truth of the deep darkness that resides around us and within us. Because, you know, this is supposed to be the hap happiest time of the year, right? And are you? Because he's watching. <laughs> but listen, you know from your own experience that life is not a Disney cruise. And the mania of pursuing joy through the things we buy and the parties we attend becomes exhausting. Because we all know that it really in the end, doesn't work. Life isn't always joyful and full of good cheer and peace on earth. In fact, life in this world is more often broken and dark. Each one of us have relationships that have been strained. Uh, we see marriages around us that are torn apart. We struggle with our own mental and physical health issues that can drag us down. Uh, we have financial stresses. We're exhausted from raising whiny, thankless kids. Not to mention all the continual accusations of our own hearts about what a failure we are, what a loser we are at times. And for some of you, I know that the, the Christmas holiday season is one of the most difficult times of the year. Because it's just another reminder of how you, you really don't have any family to spend your time with. Or at least none that you'd like to spend your time with. Uh, you, you don't have... Uh, kids around the house anymore excited about all the the magical wonder of Christmas and so the holiday season becomes just another reminder of all that you've lost or all that you've never had and the pressures to be happy and to be cheerful at Christmas only makes the darkness of what you're feeling even more bleak listen if you try to cover your desperate need for light this Christmas season with frantic shopping and decorating and parties, you're never going to be able to rejoice at the good news of the light 
of Christmas. If you center your Christmas around the unspoken assumptions that we all have to pretend to be extra happy and extra cheerful, it'll wear you out. But if you can center your Christmas around Jesus, there will be hope for your darkness. And listen, my question for you this morning is, do you have a deep, aching desire for everything in your life to be made right, to be made new? Do you long for everything in your world to be set right, a a world filled with justice and mercy, a a world where your frustrations find satisfaction, a, a world where your fears are stilled? Are you grieving over how dark and painful that life is right now? Because, see, unless you are, the light of Christmas offers no hope. It's just sentimental words. Listen, do not be afraid of the dark. Dark is reality. Dark is being honest. And it's the dark that makes the contrast with the light so powerful and so filled with hope. But John tells us here that we're not stuck in the dark. Because he reminds us in our passage that Jesus is the true light of the world. And he's come to bring light into our darkness. And what does he mean by calling Jesus the true light? I think he's reminding us of all the counterfeit attempts to produce our own light. The false lights that always fall short. We have all sorts of alternative versions of the light. But without Jesus, they always end up in complete and utter darkness. You know, for centuries, mankind has tried to deal with this chaos uh, uh, by by beating back the darkness through enlightenment, um, with education and science, with movements toward equality and equity, uh, a push toward ending all oppression. Um, Even religion has tried to push us to find ways to secure the love of God by living lives of better faithfulness and getting our spiritual acts together So that God would love us more. Or maybe he would bless us more. But none of them have worked. We're still groping in the dark. And the overwhelming darkness of the night can be something that easily consumes us. And so when John tells us here that Jesus is the true light of the world. He's reminding us that he's not just a light of the world. He's not just another version of of the light of the world but he's the only true light because as he says here when he takes us back to creation itself jesus is the very source of light itself when god was creating the world jesus was there pushing back the darkness of the formless void by creating light and so john is reminding us here that the very creator of light itself has broken into our darkness to bring us the true light. In fact, later on in chapter 8, Jesus goes even further when he claims, I am the light of the world, he says, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so he's offering to us the light that is the very source of light itself. And of course, when Jesus said that, it offended the religious leaders of, of his day, you know, they said, who, who do you think you are to, to claim something like that? Just like it offends people today when you claim to have the light of the world. You know, if you do that, people will pounce on you. They will cancel you. 
because everybody is now allowed to produce their own version of the light, which means that there can't just be one source of true light anymore. But that's what Jesus claims. And let me just give you a few examples, I think, of how modern culture today is trying to produce its own versions of light. You know, one of the, the, the main alternative sources of light that's been offered really for the last 200-some years has been the enlightenment of education. You know, it's the promise that if people are just given enough knowledge, then it, that it will end all oppression and it will end all racism and poverty will be wiped away as science and education and facts and, and, and understanding increase we will slowly lose our need for religion because all the mysteries of life will be explained. And what has all this enlightenment produced? You know, we know that just follow the science of epidemics and vaccines as proven, no matter how you view them, to be more political and manipulative than therapeutic. Um, science can no longer distinguish between male and female forcing our daughters into locker rooms with men and athletic competitions with them. In efforts to not stigmatize any person, our schools now teach to the lowest common denominator, bringing down test scores, to, the, uh, to allowing kids to graduate who really can't even read and write. Now, that's just one example. Another example might be um, a more even modern, more modern alternative to the light that's being offered today, and that is it's the light of um, sexual fulfillment. Because the modern thought that's rarely even contradicted in our culture anymore is the promise that the source of personal fulfillment will come in your own sexual expression. And that everybody ought to be able to pursue whatever personal expressions of sexual fulfillment they desire. And to try to hold them back is oppressive. It, it demeans their very humanity. But what it's done is it's turned doctors and educators into sexual predators who are trying to hypersexualize our kids, even surgically altering their bodies to enable them to express their latest feelings of gender. It's turned sex into a commodity, into a multi-billion dollar industry that objectifies women and just treats them as pieces of meat to be consumed and discarded by men rather than treasuring the sexual union is a lifelong bond commitment. And you see, what, what this has done is rather than making the sexual experience special and intimate, it's just turned it into a cheap thrill that simply uses and discards other people for your own personal satisfaction. But, but it's not just out there. We could go on and on with all sorts of examples out in our world. But these alternative versions of light that are being offered are also at work in our own hearts as well. And we have to be honest enough to admit that. Every time you believe the lie that you're worthless unless you can advance in your job and make a lot of money, every time you believe the lies that having children and a family will fill up all the empty spaces of your heart, every time you believe the lies that your failures and your mess-ups are somehow going to make God love you less, every time you feel the need to defend yourself and paint yourself in a better light so that people will respect you more than you probably deserve. You are turning to an alternative light that can never bring what John calls here the light of life. They're just empty alternatives that can only lead to further darkness. The darkness that comes when you don't advance in your job. The darkness that overtakes you when you don't get the family you hoped for. Or when you do, it just disappoints you. 
It's the darkness that imprisons you when you fail and, to, and, and again and again. And you listen to all the voices of shame and accusation that come after your heart. We've lived in the darkness our entire lives and we're consumed by its hopeless void. And so we need the light of Jesus. <clears throat> we need the hope of Christmas. We need it to do what the Apostle Paul says as he puts it in 2 Corinthians. For God who said, light, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. We, we need the light to, <clears throat> as we sang early, earlier, to lighten our darkness, to bring us hope. And, and as the true light of the world, listen, Jesus isn't afraid to come at us because his light shines his light into every dark crevice of our hearts to expose our sin, to show us the things that separate us from him, go far deeper than we're often willing to admit. He, his light penetrates to show us just how, uh, how deeply enslaved we are to its grip in our hearts. And really also to show us that our sins aren't necessarily all the bad things that we think sins are that we're doing. We do lots of bad things, but those are the fruit of our sin. Those are the expression of how sin manifests itself. But the core of sin is how we are bent on self. The core of sin is that my world centers around me. And, and I got to be honest, I don't think about you all day long. I think about me all day long. <laughs> I think about my comfort. I think about what I'm going to have for lunch. I don't really care what you're going to have for lunch. I, I think about what I'm going to do tomorrow. Your tomorrow is not even on my mind. We're all this way. We are totally consumed with self. And listen, if, if you've been traumatized, if you've been abused in some way, the most powerful tool that satan can use is to keep you locked in the darkness of your shame to keep you imprisoned by it by never talking to anybody about it rather only talking to yourself about how worthless you are and how messed up you are because in the dark the lie always appears to be the truth in in the dark the lie is always like those monsters in monsters inc they're always they appear to be much bigger in the dark and when you turn the light on they're just a little squeaky toy right and that's how it imprisons you. Because what the light of Jesus exposes in us are, are, again, not just the sinful things that we do. I mean, those are bad enough. But even more devastating, he shows us a, a heart, uh, the, the core uh, of our rebellion, that it's beneath every sin that we commit. And that is, again, it's just self. It's me. It's the rebellion of every human being since the Garden of Eden who wants to center my world around me and my comfort when God designed me to center my world around him and his glory. And when you center your life around you, it warps and it skews everything that you see around you. And it leads to brokenness. It leads to despair. See, if you can, you can, you can focus on yourself with pride, that I'm not like other people. It, it, and if you do that, it will skew you into believing that you're actually better than those people. Or you could do the other end of the spectrum and you can focus on yourself with disdain. That again, I'm not like other people. Somehow my level of sin is special and deeper and darker than everybody else's. And that too will skew your thoughts to believe that now you're worse than everybody else and that you're harder to heal. And so we, you know, we see this worked out in so many ways in our lives. 
you know, parents who can't produce the perfect kids they long for end up often being controlling and manipulative and abusive toward them. Spouses who can't get their spouse to provide all the love and all the acceptance and all the reassurance that they're longing for tend to be controlling and manipulative and abusive toward them. Bosses who can't get the best product out of their employees in the most cost-efficient ways tend to be controlling and manipulative and abusive toward them because this is our hearts. This is who we are. We see the light that we ought to become, but every time we try, it only leads to deeper darkness. Listen, I don't think anybody in our world would argue that we don't live in darkness. The question is, do we have it within ourselves to push back the darkness through our own enlightenment, through education, through sexual fulfillment, through our achievements, to which I hope people would begin to start admitting, no, we can't. Because if you say, yes, we can, then we have to admit that we're absolute failures because it isn't working, right? And we're getting further and further behind. Or we have to ask ourselves, is the cause of our darkness that what is inside of us our rebellion and sin has actually caused that darkness, that we are the cause of everything in this world that is dark. See, in the first case, we need superhuman strength to even start to pull it off. We need something that we've actually never been able to produce yet. Even with all our enlightenment and education and science, we can't do it, and we haven't done it. I don't know why anybody thinks we're going to start doing it tomorrow. We never have. But if the second is the case, then there's hope. Because a light has dawned, and it's broken into our world. And it's not just another light, but it's the very creator of light itself come to break into our darkness. And this leads us to our final point, and that is that the light has come down. See, the, <clears throat> the world tries to tell you that the, the light that will overcome the darkness inside of you is, is, is just, it's in there yourself. And you just got to tap into it and you got to believe in yourself. And if you can do that, then you'll be happy. Which not only doesn't work, it pushes us deeper and deeper into the darkness of despair when it doesn't work. And of course, there's all sorts of problems with that way of thinking. I mean, first of all, if, if I'm trying to tap into the light inside of me to push back the darkness, I, I have a light inside of me that tells me to eat every donut at Blackbird, right? But, but I have another light that, that tells me that I need to be in better shape and I want my body to last, right? Which one do I listen to? Which one is the real me? They, they contradict each other. I, I can't listen to my light. I mean, what if I have a light inside of me that tells me that real life would be found in the love of somebody besides my wife? Should I just follow that light because it's inside of me? I mean, let's be honest, we all have this light burning inside us that just knows that the way we think and the way we see things is always right, and people just need to get on board, right, or get out of my way. And there's only one room, uh, room for one person in the world to think like that, right? And his name isn't Donald Trump, it's actually you, and it's me, because we are all trying to live out of the light of our own superior truth, that I can see what nobody else can. I mean, I, I'm sure every serial killer and every rapist in the world is simply being true to the light that's deep inside of them. Listen, that cannot be the answer. Our inner lights are always tainted. 
they're always skewed toward me. Our inner lights are always incapable of saving us. I mean, just look out at our world. It's clearly not working. Suicides are on the rise. Abuse is growing. The more we focus on oppression and equity, the worse it seems to get. Prejudice and racism seem worse today than it was when I was a kid. Racism now not just against blacks, but against Jews, against immigrants. Families are falling apart. Marriages are ending. Our once polite, you probably most of you aren't old enough to remember this, we used to have polite political parties um, who would politely disagree with one another are now reaching the point where they look at their opponents as at best people who need to be re-educated through government uh, re-education centers or maybe imprisoned or killed. Listen, you, you have in your palm of your hand the most powerful um, technology that has ever existed in the history of the world. Right? We, you have more education than any generation before you. You have more enlightenment than anyone has ever known. You have more global understanding of your world, and it's only making things we're less connected to community. We're less concerned about the good of our neighbor. We're less loving toward those in need around us. It isn't working. All of our replacements for God are slowly killing us and killing our society. And we are not beating back the darkness, but the darkness is consuming us. And what we need desperately is a true source of light from outside of our cells to come down into our world and to break into that world and to rescue us. You, you cannot fix yourself with money. You can't fix yourself with family, with sex, with work, with accomplishments. But the very joy and essence of the hope of Christmas is that there is a light and it has come down to us. And it promises to push back the darkness inside each one of us. Because again, it's not just another version of the light, it's the very creator of light itself that has come down and enters into our darkness to overcome it for us. And listen, this is the very heart of what the Christmas message is all about. Our creator came down. And he came down to be born into the darkness, to take on the darkness himself, because he knew we could never save ourselves. He was born into the darkness of a, of a cattle trough, far from home. He, he was born into the darkness of obscurity. He was born into the darkness of mocking and scorn and shame by all of his creation around him. And this is why the Advent season is one of preparation, because we can honestly look at all of the darkness in our world around us and the darkness that resides within our own hearts, and we can draw hope for the promise that the light is coming and has come. See, we don't have to run from the darkness. We don't have to compensate for it by the things that we do. Our darkness is overcome by the light of the world. And only Jesus, the creator of light, can bring you the life you were designed for. Your family can't give you that. Your job can't give you that. Your money can't give you that. All your hopes and all your plans and all your dreams can never give you that. Only Jesus can bring light to your darkness. And how does he do this? He, he does it by coming into the darkness of our world and taking it on himself. He was born into creation. He came to live the life of perfection that we all owe to God. And then he died to pay the price for our rebellion against him. And then 
God actually credits that perfect life of Jesus and that perfect death of Jesus to our spiritual accounts. So that when God looks at you today, right now, if you are resting in Jesus for your hope and your life, you are as beautiful and as holy and as righteous to God as Jesus is himself. In fact, when God looks at you, I know you don't believe this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. When God looks at you and when he looks at Jesus, he cannot tell you apart. That is how beautiful you are to him. And that's how Jesus has come to push back the darkness. This is more than the temporary band-aid of falling in love with the perfect person or swinging that lucrative business deal or having perfect kids who always obey with joyfulness until you get home away from the watching eyes of everybody else. Right? This is the promise to push back the deep darkness of your own heart and all of its deepest fears and all of its frustrations and brokenness and despair. The light of Jesus has come and he's overcome the world with, with all of its darkness, and he continues to overcome the world, right? And he's overcome the darkness of your own heart personally, and he continues to promise to overcome that darkness by pointing your heart every day to Jesus and reminding you of the life that he lived in the darkness in your place and reminding you of the death that he died in the darkness in your place so that you might have the light of life pushing back the darkness from deep within your own heart and bringing you the light of Jesus and the hope of Jesus where all of your sins have been paid in full and you are fully and openly delighted in by your Father. And you can increasingly learn to rest in the love that he has for you. You know, the prophet Zephaniah says that God actually writes love songs about you and sings over you joyfully. Do you believe that? Do you believe a God who is actually singing right now love songs of beauty over you? I know you don't believe that. I don't believe that. How could God do that for somebody like me? This is how God pushes back the darkness. Listen, there is no hope in the dawning of this light unless you could admit the depth of darkness that resides within you. And you have to see that you are far darker than your worst fears. And yet you're, you're more loved in the light than you could ever dare hope or imagine. And that is the hope of Christmas, Jesus, the light of the world. Let's pray. Father, we need to be reminded of the hope of the light of Jesus because we, though we don't like to talk about it or admit it openly, we, we understand so clearly the darkness of our world and of our own hearts we we feel that darkness creeping in on us day after day there are so many times when we just we feel like giving up because it's just too much and too overwhelming and i pray that you would remind us of the hope of christmas that the light has dawned and that you have pushed back the darkness by living and dying in our place and that you continue to push back the darkness by applying that work to our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Father, we ask that you would continue to use your spirit to push back the darkness of our own hearts by reminding us of who Jesus is and reminding us of what you've done for us and reminding us of all the beauty that we possess today because of your finished work. 
on our behalf. We pray this in Jesus' name.